Bluff City Media presents The Anthony Sane Show on YouTube at Bluff City Media. Stepping up to the microphone is your host, Anthony Sane. Acknowledge me. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Anthony Sane Show. This is, of course, your host, Anthony Sane, here from the Bluff City Media Studios. Welcome, you guys, to another great, exciting show uh, today. We got my boy Frank Bonner coming in for Sit Down with Sane. He, of course, covers uh, the Tiger football team for the Daily Memphian. He's fresh off of getting back from AAC Media Days. Going to talk to him about that. Talk to him about Tiger football. Of course, we're going to talk about Drake. It's not coming to Memphis. We're going to talk about that later on in the show as well as the, uh, 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 the, the rest of the points we have in the three-pointer, as well we're going to wrap the show up with Inside the Same Brain, where we're going to talk about something that's close in, close to my heart and close to my stomach as well. I'm sick in the head, uh, Kenny Stubberfield, about what we're going to talk about today. This one for, feels, this Inside the Same Brain feels very personal. Yeah, it's going to be emotional, yeah. man. I ain't going to lie. It ain't many things that move the kid, but this is one that's going to move me for sure. Kenny, how you doing, brother? Good, good to see you across the glass, uh, my man. Man, listen, bro, it's another day. I love uh, it's a good day, man. Man, well, we we're back in the studio, ready to roll, man, for sure. But Kenny, since the last time we talked, uh, damn it, the Tiger basketball team is headed to the DR. They didn't uh, take you up on their adult chaperone. No, nah, I, I told them if they needed me, man, I would have, I would have gladly been the adult chaperone for the team. Uh, just give me a, about a rack for that week, and I could have made something happen. I could have made it happen for them for sure, man. So they they declined that offer, and I am not on the DR trip. But everyone who who could be there, uh, who we'd like to be there, is there, uh, including Dave, uh, David Jones will be in the DR. Strange, <laughs> He'll stra- be there. Strange situation, man. I need, I need somebody who, who's in the mix, like yourself, Kenny Stubberfield, to explain this situation to me more. There was a post on Instagram from the Dominican Republic basketball team that had David Jones, Tigers wing forward, um, at the Dominican Republic practice. Is that is that where he's from? He's from? Yeah, he's from the DR. Okay. He is originally from the DR. Okay, and I'm just going to say how this, how I think this makes sense. He's not technically eligible to play for the Tigers now, right? Because it's, of it's the a, whole transfer It's a paperwork thing, thing right? Right. Like, he's, he's finished all he needs to do. It's a paperwork thing. So, right now, he's not clear to play for Memphis. So, they're basically kind of using that loophole to get him over there to get acclimated with the team. Well, I think he's already going to play. I mean, I think he's going to play with the Domin- Dominican national team. No, no, he can't play for the Tigers, I'm saying. Right? No, he's not going to play for the Tigers. Okay. But, he's, but he is a good enough player to where the national team brought him on board. So, that's why he's there right now. Right. So, he's going to play against the Tigers. Yes. But just like I said, this is a way for him to get implemented with the Tiger team. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the behind the scenes stuff is. Are they going to bring him into the, into the, you know, resort where they're staying at? Are they going to, is he going to share rooms? I don't know what the deal well, is. Well, it's not to prevent them from kicking it with him is what 100%. I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is, they'll get him down here. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, we won't see none of this shit because it's not going to be on television. Don't even get me started. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to whoever's going to be holding up a phone for hours. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we have a we have somebody in the Discord that is actually a Grizzlies okay. and Tigers fan who lives in the Dominican Republic. Oh wow! Who might be going to those games? Is is okay? There shouldn't be any mic to it. Is it a money thing? Because I'm sure somebody can. No, nah, I just trying to figure out his schedule. So oh, he can okay. go or not? I need your schedule to free you up to go to. Uh... To these games, man, for sure. Are you really that concerned about these games? No, though? not at care? all. Not at all. Um, I expect them to look probably kind of rough. I'm sure they're gonna they're not gonna look like anything like we expect them to look, you know, when the season starts. 
Um, plus they're playing against pros, man. There are gonna be some dudes over there. You got you got like two for sure NBA guys are gonna be playing, man. And that's one for sure, Chris Duarte, who played real minutes for the Pacers. Um since he's been in the league, and Lester Quinones. He's a definitely. player, man. Chris yeah. Duarte's a player. Yeah, and Lester's probably going to try to murder everybody over there. Everybody. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it's going to be fun for him. Uh, I think you were saying that I was listening to On the Bluff today, and I think you were saying that um, that Carlton Towns is on the team, but you don't know if he's going to play. Or I mean, listen. No man. way he's playing, bro. Listen, bro. He's not around with that stuff. <laughs> listen, he is playing for the Dominican national team. Mm-hmm. Will he play against the University of Memphis Tigers <laughs> and no way, bro. with the Dominican national team? No. But how awesome would that have yeah, been? Yeah, Jordan Brown versus uh, Carl Anthony Towns could be fun. Carl Anthony <laughs> Towns would give that man 80, an 80 piece. Yeah, I think he would too, man. Don't don't tell uh, 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 Lee it. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke for the Discord, which you can also be a part of. So you can get the joke for $5 a month. You can jump into the uh, Bluff City Media. Come be a part of the joke. The, the disco, yeah, come be a part of the joke. Join the Bluff City Media Discord. Shout out to my boy Lee Alvin, man, who's a very optimistic Tiger fan, to say the least. But yeah, but it's, it's definitely something to be excited about, man. They got yeah. this DR trip for the guys to gain some, uh, you know, some camaraderie. Some uh, there, there are certain moments in life that you can, uh, you know, kind of join, create a brotherhood, a kinship with your teammates, and I'm sure being in the Dominican Republic. Is, uh, I know another, a lot of guys who aren't <laughs> basketball players who have a kinship. With the Dominican Republic? With, with the Dominican Republic, yeah. A lot of guy trips go down. <laughs> Team building. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, and the whole gang will be there, including guys like Jordan Brown, Jaquan Walton, Jalen Young, who just uh, got eligible, just got cleared, and Javon Quinley. They're all expected to be down there. Matter of fact, they are confirmed to be down there, I think. Oh, they're point. there now. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, man, it's going to be good stuff. Our boy Parth put out a video mm-hmm. uh, of them pulling up to the resort, and there's 12 guys there. Yeah. So whenever, like, certain jobs come open, like, people kind of know, people who know me kind of know what I do and what that entails, right? And some people call me a, um, like, a commentator, like, I'm Mark Jackson or something. You know, like, um, you know what I mean? Like, they'll say, that, they'll say that type of stuff, and that's not what I do. And some people think, like, I write, people, some people think I work for the Grizzlies, like, I write. For them, like I, like no, not quite. I don't really write. I don't write anything at all. <laughs> so, but whenever like certain jobs come open, like Tiger beat writers stuff like that, people are like, I'll get people inboxing me. Hey, there's a this position's open. I thought you might be interested and all that type of stuff. And I always talk about like, I have no interest in being a beat writer, like for especially like for you know the Tigers, whatever. And I, I like the Tiger. I love the Tigers, right, but right. I wouldn't want to be a beat writer, you know, for the team. It's a different world, man. But I ain't gonna lie, man. When you get flown out to the DR on somebody else's dime, shoot, and you get like plenty of free time, you know what I mean? Like, it ain't like you going over there to work in a warehouse, you know what I mean? You going to watch a game for a couple hours, and the rest of the day is yours. You got to write a story, you got to put some <sighs> tweets out, and the rest of the week is yours. You know, you got three games, two days off, you got to shoot your stories out. Yeah, man. Shout out to the, the, the parts of the world and, and you know. And the Jason Munns is a real for sure, man, who get to go out and... That's a good life right And shout out to Terry Davis, who uh, he's saying he ain't out there, but I'm sure... TDZ. I'm sure my boy TDZ is in in the place for sure, doing something egregious in the the DR. (laughs) It goes down in the DR, man, for sure. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited about it, man. Uh, Like I said, for those of you who will be out there streaming, I hope your guys' battery lasts. I'm not watching that shit on your phone. On Facebook or whatever you decide to, 
Ustream it. Was Ustream still around? I think Ustream is still around, but it, last time they did it on that, what was that live stream? Periscope. Periscope, yeah. And Periscope's dead now. Yeah, Periscope don't even exist, man. So, yeah. Facebook Live, I guess. It was like an uh, old dude with some money who went last time. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. And I want to say the guy got on it was like, um, people were saying they should do a GoFundMe or something. I don't know. Somebody was saying they should do for him. I don't know. Yeah, man. It ain't that crucial, man. But that, that was a highly anticipated team, too, man. That was like the that was the Wiseman team, right? Yeah. yeah. That was the because yeah, that was DJ. That was mm -hmm. all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Wiseman team, 2019. And, and I made a statement on Twitter, man, uh, or X. Not damn all that. I'm this is Twitter. I'm still not, Twitter. I'm not calling that shit no damn X. Anyway, I made a statement on Twitter the other day and that this is the most anticipated team to me since the Joe Jackson class. The class that had all those, you know, five-star, four-star kids, Chris Crawford, you know what I mean, Tarek Black. Yeah, we had that conversation last night about mm -hmm. which team – is this the most anticipated team since the 2008 season? Mm -hmm. I would say it's that 2010-11 Yeah, that Joe, Joe Jackson, Jackson class was, Adonis, was more than this one, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that 2008, then 2011, 2010, 2011, compared to this year, this team, though, this is by far – I think the most hype that Penny is going to have, yeah. legitimate yeah. hype, Easy. legitimate hype. Yeah, because that that Wiseman team, we were just so giddy to see freaking recruits in here, man. It's the number good. one recruiting Could class in the nation. Smith, who was like, just all right, hey, you want to play college basketball? <laughs> I got a team. Come on, kid. Like, oh, okay, great. I get to be a D one athlete. <laughs> yeah, I get to go. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> I get to. Hey, get Ma. To, <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, Ma. Yeah, no, it was that was. How did you do that, Johnny? You you only play for the church. I know, huh? <laughs> Old Tubby. For old Tubby. Oh, man. Yeah, but just to see a, a super dope recruiting class got you excited, but we were all premature excited. That team, super young, um, full of kids, and they weren't ready to really do anything substantial. But this this feels real, man. This you know, does. this You got older guys out there. Uh, Penny's, you know, he's going into year five or six. One this of is six. This is year six, yeah. So, you know, you feel like Penny's got this thing figured out, and he's got a great team full of vets. You know what I mean? Guys who are... I'm telling you, man, that that the the Bill Street boys are gonna be tough in a few years, man. It's gonna be, <laughs> who gonna want to deal with them dudes in Ain't a couple nobody. of years, man? When you got Javon Quinley out there, man, man. <laughs> who's gonna want to deal with Jordan Brown in, in the uh, in the TBT? It was wild, in a man. Couple of years. I don't know if y'all, I don't know if you got to see it, but Christian Fowler did an interview with Javon Quinley. Mm -hmm. No, it was um, dope, dope the, as hell. Shout out to, I'm glad you said this. Shout out to uh, Christian for sure. It was crazy, man, because like we remember, right? Like being in Memphis. Mm -hmm. covering high school sports, college sports, when the Jelly fan became so popular mm -hmm. in New York City. Right. And that Javon Quinterly was one of the main guys that got that thing started. Right. And to hear him talk about it, the experiences that he had, and then to hear him describe the differences, like what would have been the case for him if NIL had been around? Oh, man. He, With Jelly fam, he would have been in high school getting paid. He'd have been, he said He said it in the interview. He said, I say this with all humility, I'd have been a millionaire in high school. Oh, for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, he'd been. Yeah, he'd been. He would have been like as big or bigger than when Mikey Williams is now. He was one of the most impressive people I've ever I've ever had the chance mm -hmm. to interview, and I didn't even get to interview him. I was just sitting in here like yeah. behind the glass. But man, yeah, that guy was hella impressive. Yeah, to me. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, and if you haven't seen it, 
check it out, man. Javon Quinley, we got the uh, the one-on-one interview with him and Christian Fowler, as well as uh, Jaquan Walton. Both of those are available on Bluff City Media. And when we come back, we're going to have to sit down and sing with my boy Frank Bonner from the Daily Memphian, who covers the Memphis Tiger football team. He just got back from AEC Media Days. We're going to talk about that and more here on the Answer the Same Show. We'll see y'all in a minute. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student-athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. Welcome back to the Answer the Saints show. Got my guest for the sit-down with Saints today, my man, Frank Bonner from the Daily Memphian. He's the football beat writer for the Memphis, University of Memphis Tigers, and he joins me now today. Frank, what's going on, my brother? I'm doing all right. I appreciate you having me man, on. Man, glad to have you here, man. Glad to have you here for sure, man. Before we get started, uh, you are a native from the state of Indiana. You've been covering Tiger football for, I think, three years now? This is your third? You're about to go into your third season? This will be my third season, my yeah. second year. Okay, yeah. You're going, going to your third season covering the team. How, what's your sports story, man? Like, what were the teams you grew up watching, the group teams you grew up being a fan of, and what led you here to the city of Memphis covering Tiger football? Oh, well, you know, being an Indiana guy, uh, we like to say it's it's the home of basketball. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I was a big IU guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother played at Bloomington North with Jared Jeffries and Sean okay. May. And so, when Jared went to IU, that was the first mm-hmm. Final Four I watched when they played Maryland. Right. I became a North Carolina guy because Sean May was over there. So those were my two college teams. Obviously, um, watching the Pacers, Reggie yeah. Miller and whatnot. Um, and then my favorite player was Steve Nash. So I became a Suns fan. Yeah. Uh, was a Colts fan, obviously. I'm always a homer. But then my favorite player was Sean Alexander. So I became mm-hmm. a Seahawks fan. Right. So that's kind of that's kind of where my fandom lies right there. Right. So how did you get – what was your path like as far as in journalism that got you here? Oh, uh, well – what was it? I was 16 years old when I knew I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in my English class, and somebody came to talk about doing the school newspaper when I was in high school. So right. I did it. Uh, I was like, I'll try it out. Did a sports article. Fell in love with it. Um, and then from there, I went to IU, Indiana University, to major in journalism. Mm-hmm. After I did that, I covered high school sports for a couple of years. Uh, couldn't get any jobs covering sp- uh, pro or college, so I went back to grad school at IUPUI. Mm-hmm. Came out, um, covered Oklahoma State football and basketball for two years in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Tulsa World, and then I landed here. That's what's up, man. Like you said, you've been covering the team for a while, always bringing interesting interesting, uh, perspectives for the team, putting in the work as a beat writer. Been following your stuff for a while. Glad to have you in the city, man. Glad to have you here on Anthony Sane's show. Um, You just recently got back from AEC Media Days last week. What were some of your main takeaways when you were there? Uh, My main takeaway is, for one – a couple of different coaches talked about mm-hmm. how inspirational Tulane's run, run was right. last year. I mean, they were picked, what, seventh, end up winning the league. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people mentioned that. Uh, but as far as this year goes, you know, every coach will sit here and tell you no matter what conference you're in that, you know, the conference race is wide open and so on. But I genuinely believe that these coaches believe that, you know, there's a handful of teams where the, the championship is mm-hmm. wide open for them. 
Uh, and so there's a lot of new opportunities there. Another takeaway um, that I took from my uh, one-on-one with uh, Commissioner Michael Resco, right. I asked him, you know, with conference realignment, teams are looking to leave. Is there anything you can do to prevent them from leaving? And he was like, basically, no. Like, if teams want to leave, they're going to leave. And he right. doesn't. He didn't have any hard feelings about it. It's just part of the business, which um, was a real cool perspective from him to hear. Mm-hmm. Just that he doesn't he doesn't take it personal. Yeah, I I, I think that's a uh, pretty much how he's got to feel about it. <laughs> you ain't got no choice. Yeah, because you know teams, it's it's so much stuff going on with conference realignment. You know what I mean? As far as teams being here, not or not, we've seen you know uh, the Big Twelve adding Colorado, and they're probably not done adding, and we don't know about what's going to happen with the Pac twelve or whatever. It's all just wild stuff. Um, quarterback Seth Hennigan is entering his junior year. He still looks like a kid, and we kind of still want him to be freshman Seth Hennigan forever. But he's going into year three. He's a junior now. Um, what are your expectations for him as far as being a leader on the team? I know you wrote an article about that. What do you expect to see from Seth Hennigan this season? Yeah, well, he's he's a veteran now. Like, to your point, mm-hmm. he's no longer a young quarterback. He's an upperclassman. Uh, and honestly, with because of the transfer report and all that stuff, he's actually one of the – most tenured players on that team, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of crazy to say, right. him 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 being a freshman, it seems like yesterday. But right. uh, the step forward that he needs to take, if you look at the quarterbacks in in the, in this conference, right, people will tell you, you know, Frank Harris, UTSA quarterback, and Michael Pratt from Tulane are probably mm-hmm. the, the quarterbacks that you'll hear the most. Seth needs to be in that conversation with them. I mean, yeah. This is the year for him to be looked at as Monster one of the elite. – the yeah. top-tier quarterbacks in, in, in the conference going into his junior year, his third year as a starter. And honestly, Memphis kind of needs him to be that if they want to take that next step and, mm-hmm. and kind of bounce him back from those last two years. And so I think whatever young quarterback mistakes that you might have saw him make in his first and second year, those all need to be gone. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you. He's He looked so good his freshman year that you talked about you know, by the time this kid's a junior, he's going to be this. And, you know, he's we're here now. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. You also wrote about how the Tigers' offensive line, um, you, you talked about how they've improved. What have you seen so far that makes you think that they're going to be better this season? Well, for one, you know, they made a coaching change, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Myers, and he seems to have a – before getting hired, he has already had a, a prior relationship with Ryan Silverfield. Mm-hmm. And talking to him and Ryan and even, you know, Jacob Likes, one of the veterans uh, on that offensive line – they seem to be on the the same page really well. So first, you got to get your head coach and position coach on the same page, and that seems like that's been checked off several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the interior, there the, you still have your interior starters there: right. Jacob Likes, Jonah Gamble, and uh, Davion Carter. And then the left tackle position uh, and the right tackle position is still up for grabs. Uh, I like uh, Macklin Pounders on the left at the left mm-hmm. tackle position. We remember he started. Uh, the the season opener against Mississippi State, so he's had some right. some experiences, and if they got they brought in some transfers in the trenches on the defensive line and the offensive line, uh, Marcus Henderson, the Arkansas transfer being one of them. You still got uh, Terrence McLean there, and so I just think the the continuity and the depth of that offensive line leads me to believe that they're going to be better than they were last year. You um, here in Memphis, we've gotten kind of accustomed to the Tiger football team having this really dynamic, high-powered offense where they're scoring a lot of points and throwing the ball all over the field and scoring quickly. And you know, you just had this really high-powered offense over the years. That has really tailed off over the last few years. Their uh, offense has been pretty bad. I mean, you know, it's, it's hasn't been nearly what we saw in the past. And but their defense has been good. Uh, what do you think? What do you think will take? What do you think it will take for this team to 
kind of get things at least more at least more balanced, where the offense is is not like it used to be, but better than it's been over the last few years. Well, uh, like you mentioned, right? This is my third season, mm-hmm. and every you ain't seen nothing but this, <laughs> right? Right. And every right. off season, the the main conversation has been, as far as the offense is concerned, mm-hmm. is the run game, right? I know. Uh, in the past, you've had Kenny Gainwell, Tony mm-hmm. Pollard, and they've had some solid running backs since I've been here, right? Uh, they've had the running back talent, but for whatever reason, the run game hasn't been as effective as fans have seen in the past. I mm-hmm. think that's the main key that is kind of holding this offense back is getting that run game. Because if you get that run game going, that opened things up more for the pass. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of pressure off Seth Hennigan. He's got some new receivers, and he's got to get that chemistry in the offensive line and that run game have to be strong for everything else to work. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that as well. And and it could like you said with the offensive line getting better, maybe that can help, you know, the run situation as well. Um something else that you um have to really look at with the whole team this year is that last year they were fourth in the conference. And Ryan Silver well Ryan Silverfield has gotten a lot of criticism over the years. What are some of your realistic expectations for him? And with a lot of people calling to make a break year for him, uh, I think with with two or three games left in the in the season, mm-hmm. they still need to be in contention for a spot in the conference championship. Um, right. Now, whether they end up ending on the outside looking in, we'll see. But there still needs to be that totem pole to mm-hmm. play for in the last uh, two or three games in the season. And I know um, people have asked me like, "What do you think the number is in terms mm-hmm. of wins or losses? Is it eight wins or whatever?" And what I always say that, you know, people have landed around the eight-win mark. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, it depends on which eight and four season Because they're not going to be the same. Yeah, right, uh-huh. right. And so if you're looking at if they win all four conference games uh, and find a way to beat Missouri and Boise State and they still manage to win, uh, end up being eight mm-hmm. and four, that means they went four and four in the conference. Right. Well, that's not good enough, no. right? But if they happen to lose against Boise State, Missouri, and end up eight and four, that means they win six and two in the conference, and six and two in the conference should land you in the conference championship. Right. So it kind of really depends on what they do in the conference that really kind of solidifies how fans will view this season, especially since um, a lot of people are looking at this league as a watered down league mm-hmm. after uh, Cincinnati and those teams left, and you've got other teams coming in. People are looking at Memphis to kind of be that big fish in a small pond. And this is the year they need right. to do that. Well, Frank, something you may not know about Memphis is that we get kind of fickle when it comes down to, you know, our Tiger football, just being honest with you. And in years past, like, if if they're struggling, it's not going to be good for them the second half of the season because once Tiger basketball kicks in, it gets kind of shaky for them as far as people having fan interest. Um, this year's team, this year's Tiger basketball team has a lot of anticipation. What do you think it would take to keep people glued in and focused on this team? Like you said, their they're, they're, um, out-of-conference schedule isn't the best, but you, you, said that you said you kind of expect them to be 2-2 two and two or something like that going into conference play or whatever. What do you think – what do you think – what should keep people watching this team this year? Well, yeah, I, well, I expect them to be um, more so 3-1, and one, right, because mm-hmm. they need to split oh, okay. I got you. Missouri or right. Boise State. Mm-hmm. I was just saying if they happen to lose those, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world as far as the, the conference standings go. Right. But to your, your your credit in terms of keeping the fan base going, they need to come out the gate in those first three, four weeks and, and handle business. Right. That's how you're going to keep the fans engaged because if you you come out and you lose the Boise and you lose mm-hmm. Missouri, folks are already thinking that you're going to drop the ball in the conference schedule because yeah. – 
you know, like you said, I've seen some of the fickleness. Right. You lose a game or two and, and, and yeah, folks are, are kind of checking out. So mm -hmm. they do. And and they have to kind of win. And I hate to kind of say this in terms of like, because I'm not one a big fan of style points. Like mm -hmm. if you win the game, you win the game. But Memphis does necessarily need to win in a um, an exciting fashion in terms of looking like they are a team that, that you could get behind. And you don't want yeah. them to have to go down the wire every game and, and pull a win out of their behind. You want to see them kind of assert some of their dominance, especially against um, Navy and Arkansas State and obviously yeah. Bethune-Cookman. You want to see them look like a team yeah. that um, you shouldn't have stepped on the, on, on, on the field with. Yeah, I, I'm with you for sure. Uh, it's going to be hard, though, man. Uh, Penn has got a nice thing going on <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's hard to compete with, with, yeah. with a Penny Hardaway anyway Yeah, as far as fandom goes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I'm pulling for them, though. I'm pulling for Tiger football. They can keep, you know, the fans engaged. It might be the year, man. You know, we, we need them to, to get it going, so we'll see. Um, in the light of everything that happened with uh, Northwestern in the, the hazing situation, just a nasty, terrible situation, uh, Coach Silverfield shared some of his thoughts on their particular anti-hazing anti policy at the University of Memphis. You wrote about this as well. What were some of the things that he said about that, and what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, for one, I think when something like that comes out, every athletic director, every coach in the country mm -hmm. is making sure that things are going right in their own home. I mean, you have to, right? And, and Ryan said that. He said that they don't shy away from talking about current events in the media. Mm -hmm. So when the Northwestern stuff came on, he addressed that with his team, and they talked about it. And um, The thing that... I think is good for Memphis, uh, and this was before the Northwestern stuff came out, just in terms of some of the stories I've done in the past mm. on um, Matt Barnes and Tim Cramsey and the players talking about how much time they spend in the locker room with the players and just getting to know them and um, just having that, that player-coach interaction. Well, what that does is that allows the coaches to know what's going on in the locker room. Mm. And you may not be doing it to monitor them, but the fact that you are in there helps monitor – what that looks like, what the what the fun, you know, the the so-called fun or or the horse playing looks like. Is it going too far? And I feel like Ryan has a pretty good Ryan and the rest of that staff has a mm -hmm. pretty good pulse on what's going on in there because they're in there so much. I talked to Jalen Allen and and he said that you see Ryan all the time and and Ryan feels pretty comfortable uh in knowing just the pulse of, of what's going on with that right. program. Right, for sure. Um, something else that you talked to Coach uh, Silverfield about is um, the funding situation. The the fund topic everyone is talking about right now is how the funds from the state are going to be allocated between FedEx Forum, between uh, Liberty Bowl. I call it the Liberty Bowl still. I know it's called something else, but we're not going to get into the small things right now. <laughs> but no. Liberty's still in the name. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, Liberty Bowl, man. It's, you know, it's, it, it, there's some other places in Memphis that we'll never stop calling them what they are to, what they used to be. Like, still people call U of M Memphis State, so. Yeah. It's just kind of where we are. Um, what do you think? How do you think the funds should be allocated? Um, well, obviously, and I, you talked about this with a couple mm -hmm. other people on your podcast right. I've seen, and I think everybody's in consensus that you've got to take care of your professional team, right? right? Um, but also the other part of that is the notion that 100% of the 150 to $200 million mm -hmm. for the for the uh, Liberty Stadium needs to necessarily come from this. Um, I don't know if it if it does need to be that right because usually from from kind of what I know that when a renovation like this happens, mm. universities usually depend um, on a lead gift, right? A lead donor to give some type of money. Now I don't know mm. what that lead gift would be for Memphis, but you do anticipate some other funding 
away from whatever cut of the pie they're going to get right. here. So I think that does give Memphis um, a little bit of comfortableness in, in, in knowing that uh, the money they get, it, it should be enough. Uh, but to your point, the Grizzlies have to be taken care of. Right. Uh, we know kind of how things can, and, and, I, and from, and you may know this more than, my, than I do, it seems like the Grizzlies in the city of Memphis have a, have a, Good relationship. Yeah. But you can see how that type of stuff can change on a uh, dime yeah. when stuff like this happens, yeah. right? So as a city, you got to take care of the Grizzlies, and hopefully you're able to take care of uh, Memphis in the process too. Yeah. Um, we talk, Like you said, we've talked about this with, you know, everyone who's came on the last few weeks, and, you know, I you got to take care of the protein. I mean, it just, it just kind of is what it is, man. Uh, another big topic right now going around, everyone is talking about is conference realignment, like we hinted at earlier. Um, what do you think... Everyone, of course, is talking about the Big 12. And Memphis right now appears to be on the outside looking in as far as what can possibly go down. We've heard, we've heard some some information that kind of leads to Memphis is kind of in the running, but most people feel like Memphis is not going to make it in the Big 12 right now and that teams like Arizona are going to get pulled from the Pac-12. Um, something, an interesting conversation I've heard a couple people get into is should the, Memphis, should the Tigers program try to make a play and get into the Pac-12? if the Pac-12 was going to get poached to two teams. And the, the return that most people say is, well, that kind of feels like what the Big East was when Memphis got into the Big East a few years back. And then the Big East didn't exist anymore. And you're going to a conference that you know is probably going to get pillaged again. Do you think Memphis should stay where they are and try to plan for the Big 12? Or should they, would they, should they consider a possible invite from a conference like the Pac-12 that's getting poached as we speak? Yeah, I mean, I think they should, they can, should consider all options, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not it's not 100% guaranteed that the Pac-12 is going to continue to get poached. Now, that's what mm -hmm. we think. But if you remember when Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12, we were mm -hmm. saying the same thing about the Big 12, right. and all of a sudden the Big 12 looks like they got stability. Yeah. And so we don't know what the other dominoes are going to be. But what I will say in terms of Memphis's chances to be in a Power 5 conference, mm -hmm. the more chaos, the better it is for Memphis, right? right? The more team movement mm -hmm. there is because there's, a, there's only, you know, there's X amount of teams in the country, right? So when there's more movement going on, Memphis is going to be on the short list, you you, you presume, of, of, of any, any movement. Any movement. Yeah. And so uh, if they're a third on the short list, well, when there's movement and those other two teams leave, then Memphis is first. So, like, the right. more chaos, I think, the better. Yeah. Um, and if the Pac-12 comes calling, you go because there's yeah. no guarantee that you're going to go to the Big 12. <laughs> right. So anybody who who is reaching out to Memphis or wants Memphis, they, they've they got to take mm -hmm. it. they got to jump on it. I, I like that optimism for sure, man, because it does feel like something. It's, it's like it doesn't feel like this is going to end now. It feels like everybody's going to expand to everybody's probably got 16 teams. If that's the case, Memphis is probably going to get called up. Somewhere. And, and some soon wave is coming. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, I, I like that optimism that you have for sure. Um, but for the time being, Memphis is in the AAC. What do you think the best-case scenario would be for them this season, like as far as like on the field with football, what what do you think the best case scenario would be for them? You mean I think like what do I think their ceiling is? Yeah, like uh, yeah, like like if they're still in the AAC now, what what type of optimism can you provide for them this season? Also, so competition wise, mm -hmm. um, being in the AAC, like because there's two different conversations, right? In terms mm -hmm. of the, the alignment, there's the money factor, right, and then there's the competition factor. The competition factor, the AAC is great for them. Um, especially looking towards next year when you get that 12-team playoff, whatever, because they're in a position to where um, they should be able to, to compete for a conference championship, right? Mm -hmm. They should be in that mix 
um, with, excuse me, with mm-hmm. Tulane and, and, and UTSA. So I think they're in a good – and then if you look at their schedule, they don't have UTSA on the schedule. They play Tulane at home. Mm-hmm. They play SMU at home. And so uh, the schedule shakes out for them well. And so they will have their opportunities to win games. And if you look under Ryan Silverfield in the past two years, mm-hmm. or if you look his past three years, the, past, the his first year they had a good year. They were in a lot of close games, and they right. won those games. These last two years they were in a lot of close games, and they didn't win them. But the fact of the matter is, in all three years, they were in position to have opportunities to win games. And so I don't think that that's going to necessarily change this year. They mm-hmm. just got to figure out how to get it done. Yeah, I can see that too, especially like you said, with UTSA and Tulane. Like if you can just be in the mix with those teams, you're competing possibly to be in that playoff coming up soon. Right. So they just have to make sure they're they're at the top of the conference, which I, it shouldn't be that hard, man. You know I mean, this is still – this Memphis program has been able to recruit – at a decent level, and and to just you know turn guys who might not be the best players into good players. So, you know, you you'd expect that they can stay among the top, you know, in that yeah. conference or whatever. Um, since you've been here, what's been your favorite Memphis Tiger football moment since you've been here in Memphis? My favorite Memphis Tiger football moment. Now, mm-hmm. this is um, I haven't had the I wasn't here in 2019 mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and so I guess the the moment I will say is. Uh, Watching Brandon, like my first my first season, because you and Seth came here at the same time, right? His yeah, freshman year yeah, was yeah. your freshman, okay. And my first season, if and folks may have forgotten this, but Brandon Thomas in those first three games or three He's or cold. four games, he was nice. I mean, <laughs> he was, and so like this, yeah. I was like, this is the run game that I've been hearing about about Memphis. Mm-hmm. So being able to watch Brandon Thomas do that in those first few games uh, was exciting to see, and it just sucks that I know he has some injury uh, issues, and you know. He fumbled the ball a couple times, and since then mm-hmm. he hasn't gotten it going. But uh, watching him be at his best during that time, I think was was pretty exciting. Are you a fan of the uh, other teams here in Memphis? Have you has it has it kind of latched on to you? Well, no. yeah, you embrace uh, it, you. It almost you almost have to, right? Yeah. You embrace it, and then um, the Grizzlies. For people who are from Indiana, the Grizzlies are always gonna yeah. Gonna mm-hmm. gonna fill away because I called my brother. So like mm-hmm. when you talk about Bonzi Wells, who's from Muncie, mm-hmm. um, where I grew up in before I went to um, high school in Indianapolis, uh, Zach Randolph yep. from Marion, Mike Conley had uh, Indiana ties. Yeah, 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 right. And so um, we view these these guys a certain way because mm-hmm. we're from their home state. Right. But I didn't realize how much Memphis embraced Zach Randolph yeah. the way you guys oh, do. Yeah, yeah. Until I got here, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm, I called my brother. I was like, "Man, they loving him out here." Yeah, fifty for the city. Yeah, yeah. Right? I was like, "They look at Zach Randolph the way we look at Reggie Miller." Yeah, back at home. Oh, yeah. And so, like, <laughs> to see that, I mean, you got to be a friend of the Grizzlies. Then you got Desmond Bain from Richmond, Indiana. Yeah. And so, like, mm-hmm. Grizzlies have a lot of Indiana ties. Where um, if you're from Indiana and you're really immersed in basketball, you always gonna have your eye on the Grizzlies. Yeah, that's what's up, man. So, what do you what have you thought about what they've done so far in the offseason? Derrick Rose, Marcus Smart. Man, I love the I love the Marcus Smart move, mm. um, and for for so many reasons. But you know, the main one is you look at Dylan Brooks. Mm. Obviously, Dylan Brooks made uh, some bonehead decisions at inopportune yeah. times in, in, in games, but he did a lot of good things for 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 Memphis as well. And so, when you send when you don't bring Dylan back, mm. not only do you lose some of the bad decisions, but you lose a lot of the good you still need to replace that. Well, who better than Marcus Smart? Yeah. I mean, the things that Dylan Brooks does well, Marcus Smart does those same things, and you could argue even better. Right. Um, and so to be able to replace the good things about Dylan Brooks with a Marcus Smart who's also going to be um, more responsible with his shot selection, mm-hmm. I think is 
It's great. And then with, with Derrick yeah. Rose, I know what he means to the city already, but um, also just to have that. I think the, one of the things that the, the John Morant situation stuff brought about is that, like, the locker room needs a little bit more maturity. Right. Um, Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose brings that to the locker room. So I think those two, those two moves were great moves for the Grizzlies. Final question for Frank Bonner of the Daily Memphis. Appreciate you coming out today too, man. Um, final question for you. What's it like? You're a young black man working in a black market, working with a lot of black athletes. What's that like to be? Because a lot of markets you may go to, like the market you came from, ain't like this. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so right. what's that like, man, just being in a market where you can feel more amongst, you know, people man, that look we, like you or whatever? We talked about this. Yeah. All, you know, we talked mm -hmm. about this a couple of times, man. It, it's, it's very refreshing mm -hmm. to to come to a, a market like Memphis and to see so many black faces mm -hmm. at, um, because I remember when we first got together, you was like, oh man, black people. <laughs> yeah, okay, so yeah, yeah right? Especially yeah. when you were one of the, like, you were uh, outside of obviously my coworkers, you were right. the first person to reach out to me in the city mm -hmm. when I when I touched down, which was like already refreshing mm -hmm. uh, to, to see that and to see um, that I'm not the only black person in the press box. I'm not the only <laughs> black person at practice right. or, or, or whatever is. Uh, it allows you to have a comfortable a comfortability about yourself mm -hmm. that you don't we don't always get the space to have. Right. And so to be able to just kind of, you know, kind of exhale and, and 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 be less of a cold switcher, I should say, right. uh, is very refreshing. Yeah, man. Because I, I we had Jarvis Greer on, and I talked to, with Jarvis about how like when I was a kid, I never I never was like, well. You can't be black and do this because I saw Jarvis. But there's so many guys in the city now, man. You know what I mean? You got guys on the news. Every news station has a person of color on there. You got black women. You got a ton of people in this market for the young people, the next generation to look up to, including yourself, man. And I appreciate what you're doing, man. Glad you could come on today. My man, Frank Bonham from the Daily Memphian. Check him out. Covers Tiger football. It's going to be a big year for the Tigers this year. Coach Ryan Silverfield, brother, I appreciate you coming on with me. I appreciate you. All right, y'all, we about to take a break. When we come back, it's the three-pointer here on the Anthony Sane Show. See y'all in a minute. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student-athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. Welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. Just wrapped up with my boy Frank Bonner from the Daily Memphis. Good interview with Frank, man. Frank's a guy that I met uh, a few years ago, Kenny, um, at a... Um, for those of you who don't know, I created a group of... Uh, for the uh, black men in Memphis who cover uh, Memphis sports. And um, I think Frank had, like, just moved to town. <laughs> and he... I invited him out to a meeting we were having, man. And the brother just had a look of relief on his face because he was saying, like... <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? He was like yeah. he, he was amongst people who looked like him, sounded like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like I, I, Paris is a part of that group as well. Paris is is, is back in the back today uh, with you while you're recording, and it's just great, man. It's just a great organization um, that we got started a few years ago. 
for the for the black men in Memphis who, you know, cover Memphis sports, man. Shout out to all the brothers over there, man, and guys like Frank who were out here just kicking ass. In the I want to shout summer. you out though, too, man. Like people people have a misconception of who you are, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware of that, Ken. and I and I think that <laughs> I think that a lot of folks look at you and they think Anthony's a jokester. He's he's a dude who uh-huh. just likes to play too much, whatever, uh-huh. whatever. But they don't know the stuff you do behind the scenes, man. Yeah, I, I just want to give you your flowers, man. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, man. Shit. I appreciate you, Ken. You ain't have to do all that, but I appreciate you, man. I'm here for you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. Uh, yeah, I just I want to see brothers win, man. So, you know, and guys like Frank, they kind of, when I start that group, you know what I mean, he's one of the guys I constantly think about that is worth, you know, doing it for. But, yeah, the three-pointer, man. Number one, Drake counsels his show in Memphis, Kenny, I kind of pride myself in being, uh, I call myself many things, man. I call myself the voice of the voiceless. Uh, as you can see, as I just talked about, <laughs> I call myself the voice of the voiceless. I call myself uh, uh, the tribal chief of Grizz Twitter. Um, I call myself a uh, media pop star sometimes, Kenny Stubberfield. And I think no time like yesterday was right. I able to flex on y'all that I am a you flex the pop star yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not one of these dudes man I'm not I'm not your your typical sports journalist guy I'm not him you know I'm I'm him but I'm not that you know what I mean so uh I was able to flex that on y'all and and, and kind of calm down the masses yesterday had to call some of my people man you know when it, when it, when pop news happens pop stars have to rise to the occasion Kenny uh, right that was that wasn't you know that wasn't the sports journalist news yesterday I dropped on everyone, but nah, I talked to the people at the FedEx Forum and got more detailed information about the Drake concert. Uh, they basically were saying that um, there were accommodation issues, that there were certain things as far as the set, that set up and breakdown of the show that's supposed to be here on August 6th that prevented them from uh, making that show happen. And just from p- paraphrasing and just my interpretation, not this, not this wasn't particularly said by them, but just me looking at the logistics of it all, you had a Milwaukee show that got pushed back a day. It was supposed to be on August the 3rd. It got pushed a day ahead to August the 4th. Uh, these concerts usually end 12, midnight, 1 in the morning, I'd assume, something like that. You're talking about probably even with an immediate breakdown, you're talking about breaking down that show sometime off, you know, which is going to be the 5th. You know, you, you, you're talking about breaking down all, you know, for hours, however long it takes on the 5th. Getting this stuff down to Memphis, the same day, pretty much, having it set up for a show on the 6th where, where Drake has to come in, rehearse, all these type of things. I talked to other people, other than people at FedEx Forum, and I heard different numbers because they, they said these are 18-wheelers that are coming that would have to come down to Memphis, multiple. And I was like, are you talking multiple, like, eight or multiple, like, 20? They was like, no, think more like 40, 50 18-wheelers have to go from Milwaukee to Memphis. So that's you can imagine a breakdown time if you got that many 18-wheelers worth of stuff. That to come down to Memphis, so I, <laughs> it's, it really sucks, man. Because I'm a Drake fan, I will defend Drake probably to the grave. There, there are a couple of things I won't defend Drake on if he ever gets involved in. But uh, I am a, a Drake advocate for sure. Um, I don't think that he has any. I don't think he's. I don't think he's did any of this to slight Memphis. Like I said, I think this tour may have been, may not have been planned out very well because they're constantly making changes on the tour. They're constantly. Um, you know, they're realizing that certain things they logistically that they thought were going to work aren't particularly working. And Memphis got caught up in a numbers game on that. It's very unfortunate. I would like to see uh, it get rescheduled. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, and the city of Memphis will miss Drake again. Um, Can I add one thing to yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead, bro. As somebody who used to do 
tours across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to that level. We used no, to, you weren't doing. We used to pack tour, up yeah. a. We used to pack up my Acadia and travel across <laughs> the. country. <laughs> You're right. um, but even with that, though, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I know how much work it took just to do that. Yeah. Right. I can guarantee you that Drake was not sitting up in Toronto in his little, in his big mansion that he has there. And he just decided, mm. you know what, man? Screw Memphis. Screw Memphis. Yeah. That was a decision that was made way above mm-hmm. even his head, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he has the final say so. Even his people right. have the final say so. But I can guarantee you mm-hmm. that decision was not made by Drake. And I'm going to tell you what I'm kind of tired of. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to tell you what I'm tired of. All the negative assumptions, man, like, oh, they weren't selling tickets. Because I, I thought that's what it was because that's what people were saying. Like, people were saying the whole time that it was a ticket sale issue. And then when people were like, no, nah, man, like, this show was selling good. This show was basically a sellout. And the people from the Fed- FedEx Forum said the same thing. It's not it's not an issue with tickets. Uh, it also was not an issue with what the FedEx Forum can hold or anything structurally with the building. It seemed to me like it was strictly just a timing thing. Like, this, it, things have just got pushed back because of how long it takes to move from one city to another breakdown. You're talking about 40, some 40 50 trucks. You know, that's... <laughs> Damn, man. Like, you know, this is Memphis. You know, we work in in, in, in logistics capital of the world. Right. It's a logistics 50 thing. trucks? Yeah. That's Come a lot on. of stuff, bro. Yeah. It's a lot. So I can understand the whole thing. It sucks. I wasn't going regardless because I ain't, <laughs> I just, you know, I ain't got it like that to drop off, you know, 500 bucks to go see Drake. But uh, I would love to have been there. And I hate it. It sucks for sure. But number two, the NBA sent out a memo. Regarding Damian Lillard. Uh, this is wild this stuff, This is a man. wild story. Yeah, man. I'm going to read a couple parts from that memo that went out. Um, recent media reports stated that Damian Lillard's agent, Aaron Goodwin, called multiple NBA teams to warn them against trading for Lillard because Lillard's only desired trade destination is Miami. Uh, Goodwin also made public comments indicating that Lillard would not fully perform the services called for under his player contract and traded to another team, basically saying he wouldn't play <laughs> anyone else. Um we have advised Goodwin and Lillard that any future comments made privately or teams to teams or publicly suggesting Lillard would not fully perform the services called called for under his player contract in the event of a trade will subject Lillard to discipline by the NBA. We also have advised the Players Association that any similar comments by players or their agents will be subject to discipline going forward. Um, just to let you know, Kenny Stubberfield, I'm a very pro players guy. You've always been to that the NBA. way. Yeah. Always. Power to the players. This situation here, man, is just a little bit too much for me. Like, Dame's situation is kind of unprecedented. You're talking about a guy who has two to three more years left on his contract. He's not in the final year of his deal. He's got two more years before he's a, you know, a free agent. And he's he's telling you, we see guys all the time say, I want out of here. I want to play for a contender. This is my teams. I pref- my teams I prefer, and teams kind of make something happen. You can debate on whether they could have got more, could have got less. This Miami situation. This dude saying, "I want to go to this team and this team only," and it's just. I think it's just a bull crap. And if you don't send me there, I'm not, not going to play. play. Like that's 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 just a little that's too much wild. for me. So if I know if it's too much for me, I know it's too much for Adam Silver. And I'll tell you how I think that this is going to play out. Um. And then especially when Miami's like, okay, because Miami couldn't make this deal happen. They could say, okay, we'll trade you with Bam Adebayo and, and Tyler Hero, and okay, great, let's make this deal happen. You know what I mean? But the fact that they're saying, bro, we're, we're not giving you this and this and this, you're going to take this, like that whole thing is going to come back and bite them. 
And I think, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see something unprecedented with this. I think that Adam Silver is going to jump in, and this is going to be his, I've got more balls than y'all think I have moment that he people have been begging him to make that he didn't make with Ja Morant because like, people, people were begging him to just kill Ja, and I told people that's not happening. But um, this might be that moment where Adam Silver said, let me show you I got more nuts than y'all think I got. And he might say any trade between Miami and Portland ain't happening. <laughs> I can see him saying that, man. I can totally see Adam Silver being like, no, nah, you can't trade him to Miami and taking him off the table. And it would be similar to the Lakers thing with Chris Paul a few years ago where David, David Stern totally vetoed a trade. You know what I mean? We've seen this happen before. As a player guy, would you be okay with him doing that? Um, for this particular situation, man, uh, because I hate the Miami Heat like, <laughs> like the way I do. No, I'm joking. No, that, take all that off the table. I would – it's just so unprecedented, man, because, like, I understand Like I understand what, what Dane wants to happen. But, dude, like, saying you're only going to play for this team and the team only, that's that's strong words, man. Like, it's, you're, you're totally, like – I think if Adam Silver lets that happen, he's opened up the door to a lot it's a of no stuff. no holds barred Yeah, it's, it's like literally where players are just going to say, okay, my, my contract means absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I, I predicted this to be ugly when it first happened, and I don't think it's going to get any cuter um, from today. But, yeah, number three, Steph Curry in the interview was asked to name uh, uh, the uh, the best defender, the guy who's ever defended him the best. And he basically said in a quote, um, there's a group of three that always a light bulb went off when they're on the court. And he said, Drew Holiday, Ron Artest, and Tony Allen. The Tony Allen, the grandfather from the Memphis Grizzlies. Steph Curry said that Tony Allen is amongst the three best defenders that he's ever seen, and I think I agree with him. <laughs> if I was Steph Curry, I'd probably say the same thing because we have saw Tony Allen make Steph Curry flat-out work. Do we know, know I mean? how many games he matched up against Tony and and games he matched up against uh, Ron Artest? He saw, he saw – I know he said that he didn't he, – he admitted he didn't play Ron Artest a lot. He probably saw Tony Allen a lot, man. Because you, I, I'm gonna tell you what 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 else that probably came from too. As well as Drew Holiday, those are guys that were older than Steph, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say Drew Holiday is older, same age maybe. I think they might be. I know Tony's older than him. Yeah, Tony's older. But this is the point. I think that those were guys that, because you know there was a time where Golden State was good, but they weren't good, good. And right. we used to bully Golden State. I don't know if y'all remember that. There was like a we had beat Golden State like a, like eight or nine straight times or something like that. We yeah. be, we were beating we were beating up on them a lot. And I think that when you're a young player and a guy like Tony Allen is just in your ass like that, I'm sure that guy has a has a like a memory block. You know, yeah, what I mean? no. he like reserved for you. There's some like trauma there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and and I think there's also why whenever Steph would do things against us, it seemed like it just felt that much felt, better. Than it him. felt different. For you him. know what I mean? Because I'm sure Tony was a load, man, for sure. To deal you know, with. you know what's funny is I read that, and I obviously appreciate any grandfather mm -hmm. love. I think it's dope. Right. The part that was interesting to me is what he didn't say, and that's that. Who's been? Who's the guy that presents himself as the oh. as, as his arch nemesis? Oh, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, yeah, Patrick Beverly, yeah, he didn't give props to none. He of didn't give props to any of those dudes. That he's played. Like <laughs> he he didn't give props to Pat to Pat Bev yep. at all, and I think that is so funny to me, man. Because Pat, right, Pat got a podcast now talking about how he's the the Steph stopper, the Steph stopper, the OG of the NBA. Mm -hmm. You know, you put me on any team, we're a championship contender, that kind of shit. Yeah, 
And he didn't even mention him at all. But back to what I was saying about these are all guys who, back before Steph really found his groove, probably were busting his ass. Drew Holiday, Tony Allen, Aaron Brother Artis probably getting the best of him before he became full-blown Steph. And Steph probably don't think none of these dudes can deal with him now. So, right. Yeah. That's what's up, though. Shout-out to Steph Curry giving Tony Allen the grandfather his props. And that's the three-pointer for this week. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart as well as my stomach. For Inside the Same Brain. When we come back on the Anthony the Same Show, see you guys in a minute. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student-athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. to the same show final segment of the show we call this inside the same brain where i talk about something that's just been on my mind kenny stubblefield typically it doesn't have anything to do with sports uh but this one is a very important uh subject to me i was on facebook the other day uh last weekend and i see a post that one of my favorite eateries um definitely a guilty pleasure spot is a good hood eatery is coming to a close kenny stubblefield uh, I got a little bit of relief today when I read an article in the Commercial Appeal saying that uh, what I thought was going to be, I thought, I thought I thought it was gone. I thought the restaurant was was gone already, but they said they're not closing until uh, later on this year. Um, it could be anywhere between two months to five months. Who knows? Uh, but <laughs> it's only five months left in the year, so we're, we're counting down. We know we're on borrowed time. And that place is Roxy's Grocery, Kenny Stubblefield. Kenny, have you ever heard of... So far, when it comes down to things that I wonder, uh, would a white guy like yourself know about Kenny? Right. Uh, you did know what uh, uh, seasoning uh, season the, the tub was. Yeah. You knew yeah. what that was. Yeah. You knew what um, you knew what um, Rotel was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was something you didn't know. But I can't remember what it was. There's a lot I don't know. But but right now you're 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 batting pretty well, Kenny. So, are you familiar with Roxy's Grocery? I am familiar with the. With Roxy's Grocery, I've never been there. You've never been there? No. Well, Kenny, I'm glad you said that. We now have time. We will have We're to go going. check them out. We're going. Uh, it's an experience. Um, the word grocery is used very loosely. <laughs> Let me say that. Take me, take me on a, take me on a uh, experience. What's the experience like uh, there? The experience like is this. There are no windows. Um, it's a place probably no bigger than our studio, than this, this area we call our studio. Not this room, but the combined space between my room and your room. It's about that big total. Um, probably a little bigger than that. But it's your it's your basic corner store type setup. It's in it's in the uptown community, which was not a real thing when I was a kid. It was North Memphis when I grew up, and now it's in uptown. Um and they cook burgers and food there pretty much in an open space. Like there's an open space where they're cooking at. Then there's like a, your basic corner store with chips, drinks, cookies, that type of stuff, right? 
uh, you know, whatever. I bet the smell is amazing. In right, there. it smells like burgers the entire time you're in there. Ooh. And there's grease on everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Everything in the store has a, has a layer of grease on it. So you walk in, you smell it. You, you walk yeah. in smelling fresh, you, you walk you, out smelling it's, like it's, grease. It's, uh, you're cooking it out in the open. Like you're yeah, out, 100%. You're cooking burgers right there in front of your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, incredible patties, like beautiful pieces of meat that you see them kind of, you know, flatten down or whatever. Super juicy burger, man. Huge burger. Fries are amazing. I've had people say their chili is really good. I've had nothing but their cheeseburgers. I've nothing, nothing but their burgers and fries. I heard they got wings and all kind of stuff that's really good. But just a hood store, man. A lot of people will tell you it's the best burger in Memphis. I stamp it as the best burger in Memphis. Damn. Um, it's major, man. It's serious. Uh, just a, I mean, and when you go in, man, you would think that you're just going to see a lot of, you know, hood dudes in there, man. I've seen, like, important people, like, People on their like people who work downtown on their yeah. hour, you know, on their hour break coming in there. Um, and just usually a, a group of guys and older guys in the back, in the back like yard of the place, you know, playing dominoes or just having conversations about this, that, and the other. And it's just yeah, man, we going, bro. <laughs> like we going soon, man. I'm ready whenever yeah, you are. Because it, it's like there's a there's a thing, there was a thing on Facebook, a meme one time that said that you you and all the kids in your neighborhood went outside and played for the last time, but you didn't realize it was the last time. Ooh, you know what I mean? That's pretty dope, and I, yeah. and that's how I feel about Roxy's. Like I know that I'm I'm running out of time with this place, so I would definitely go there as much as I can and get as many of those burgers. Who took you the first time to? Roxy's? And that's another thing too about Roxy's. I'm glad you said that. Like I kind of I kind of heard of Roxy's, but I had never been until I was like a good 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 and grown adult. Like probably in the last five or six years, I went for you know for the first time. Because they were they were in some type of trouble about closing down not too long ago. But uh they stuck it out, man. It's tough. Oh, let me read this quote on there too. Owner uh Floyd Red Miller uh said Monday that the family plans to close their restaurant later this year. A closing date has not been set. Uh for four decades, Roxy's grocery at 520 North Third Street has been serving Memphians. The grocery was founded by Floyd, who is known as Red, and Roxy Miller, and it's today run by the couple and several of their children. Yeah, man. It's one of those spots where they might be open today. They might not. You might take a trip and they're not actually open. They might be closing earlier than you thought, opening later than you thought, but you just kind of you deal with it because it's Roxy's and it's amazing. Uh, it's going to suck to see them go. Uh, I'm going to try to dine there as often as uh, <laughs> I can between now and whenever they close, man. But, yeah, pour out some liquor, some libations for uh, Roxy's Diner for sure. But, yeah, man, it's been another Anthony Sane show. Uh, it's been a good one. Shout out to my man, Frank Bonner, who came in and rocked with me today, who covers Tiger football for the Daily Memphian. Great interview with him. Uh, yeah, man, exciting things to come. Props to the Tiger basketball team out in the DR. They play Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? That's Ken? right. That's yeah, right. Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, the Tigers will be playing. To my bootleg streamers out there, props to y'all, man. Make sure y'all put that on Twitter or, uh, or YouTube or whatever you're doing. Stream yard, whatever you're doing out there in the DR. Props to y'all, man. Hope y'all have a great time. Be safe and have fun out there in the DR. The Tiger fans, Tiger fans who are making that trip. And we'll see you guys on Friday for another Anthony Sane Show. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Anthony Sane Show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. For comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports, head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co and find out how you can become an insider.
We will see you back here next week.